Hello, and welcome to the Previously Learned podcast with myself, James Shaw, and Michael McLaughlin. Life doesn't come with a manual, and the premise of Previously Learned is following the loss of close family is to pass on some life lessons to our respective children. Issue being, we've only lived our lives so far, so why not get some lessons from other people that have been there, done that, and got the t-shirt? If you like the podcast, please remember to subscribe, like, and follow. It really does make a big difference. On this episode of Previously Learned, we were joined by European Astronaut Centre and European Space Agency Astronaut Instructor, Carlo Vizzi. We spoke of life lessons and the importance of life experiences. As always, we hope you enjoy, and please remember to follow, review, like, and subscribe. So Carlo, welcome to Previously Learned Podcast. Awesome to have you on. How are you? How's things? Hi guys, thanks for having me. All good, thank you. Good stuff. So really really looking forward to this to be perfectly honest it's completely out of my zone um what you do and so it'd be really interesting to hear um your life lessons and advice so straight off the bat with that in mind can you remember growing up any key life lessons do you still listen to that advice uh, uh i think about yeah when i was younger i think i never had a real mentor or someone giving me such a good advice to think about it for the years uh after uh i, I think if i had to think of my younger self uh i'd say i wish i had a mentor someone can make this kind of uh, amazing beautiful piece of advice that you can uh listen for the rest of your life but actually i think i didn't so you am i right so you're you're an astronaut instructor at the european space agency um and the European National Centre. How pardon the pun, how on earth did that come about? Yeah, that's correct. I'm a contractor uh, at the European uh, Astronaut Centre in Cologne, Germany. And uh, as I would say, I ended up there by uh, a series of uh, unfortunate events. Uh, let's say I never dreamt to become an astronaut or to work in a space environment. I'm a computer science engineer, so my, my background is completely different. But uh, when I was doing my, uh, before doing my uh, bachelor degree at university, we are supposed in Italy or most universities to take or to have like this kind of six months internship into in a company. And uh, yeah, because of a lazy professor, I I couldn't do the the internship in the company I wanted to. That was more about 3D stuff and animation. So my my dream back then was to end up working for Pixar or something similar. So I had to go for the second company in my list. That was a company in the space sector, and they had a digital reality laboratory. And back then in 2008 was some something like really uh, innovative. Uh, so I started doing my internship over there for, for six months and it turned out to be much cooler than expected. And after my, my graduation, I kept to work in there for a few months and then, uh, for a few years as a consultant, uh, and then, uh, after a few years, I had to move to another company still in the, in the space sector, because this kind of, uh, VR stuff were kind of, uh, pioneer things. So small budgets and they were just nice to have. So at a certain point, 
all uh, all the thing was dismantled, and I had to find another job. But luckily, I ended up in a similar company that was somehow involved with my previous company, and uh, yeah, they hired me to do a specific job. And uh, after a while, I started to push to do something else, something where I could really bring in my expertise and my skills, uh, the background that I had working in my previous job. And uh, I was lucky enough to have people that were open to listen. It took me still a few years to uh, start my own uh, VR laboratory in this uh, new company, or to do something that I was more happy to do. But uh, yeah, I worked pretty well, and uh, at a certain point, they since they are involved in to, in uh, providing space services for the International Space Station, uh, they asked me if I wanted to move to Germany to the European Astronaut Center, where we are also providing training services uh, to ESA, and uh, yeah, there I am. So it was uh, like a, a series of. Yeah, let's say unexpected or unplanned events that brought me here. So uh, it wasn't my dream, but I do admit that I'm really happy where I am now. Well, before well, I, I mean, it's, I was going to ask where you've actually probably answered it. I was going to say, were there any turning points in your life growing up which kind of changed direction, which ended up you doing what you're doing? And it's exactly the case in point. You know, it's where you are now. Yeah, uh, it's actually weird. I think growing up, uh, I always felt to be, uh, I don't know, like weird is the right word, but yeah, it's like weird about it because uh, a lot of friends, a lot of people around me yeah, always had this kind of dream. I want to be that, I want to do that. But growing up, I never had this kind of big dream or this kind of target. Oh, yeah, I need to get there. Uh, I always try to, you know, uh, move or, uh, uh, yeah, decide what to do according to the moment, according to what I was being, according to, uh, what seems the best at the moment. So I, I think the, the real skill there were, was the ability to adapt. And, uh, at first I was always studying, first analyzing, uh, a lot. And then after that, okay, let's see where, where can I go from there? Uh, I'll mention the best from a certain situation and maybe from there then you can start dreaming to what's the next step what you can bring on top uh but i never had this kind of uh you know long-term dream i want to get there and has that changed now now where you are where you are and doing what you're doing can you now plan further ahead and say this is what i'm dreaming for now i'm going to do this and uh Actually, no, that didn't change. Uh, that's exactly the same. Uh, and, I, and I can always see it for, for sure. I'm really happy that with my job, the, all the changes that I had in the, in the last, let's say, five years, uh, I'm not really planning to have any kind of drastic change for now. Uh, but I can really see my, my mind is always uh, on, uh, it's obviously the same job is just like okay that's the actual situation how can we uh, make the best out of it how can i plan the next step to improve the actual situation it's like i can never just stay or just accept that that's the steady uh, steady uh steady part of life and that's that's so i need some kind of improvement something to look forward something to add 
uh, to what I have, and that's for job life and anything else. All right, it's clearly, I can't stress the, the pressurized environment, right? It must be very, very high pressure. How do you, how do you deal with that? Oof. Uh, it's a like pressure, and there is a lot of learning. It's like when I moved uh, here, and like when I, when I started doing this job, there was probably one year of just pure learning. You need to be certified to be an instructor first. So you go through several certifications and courses. So it's just like learning, learning, learning for, for a while. And since, uh, for example, we teach or particularly in my case, I teach, uh, for example, some of the experiments that are performed on the station. So before, uh, being able to teach someone else that you need to master the topic, you need to learn about that. Then you get a certification, then you can do it. So since the experiments are changing, since a lot of things are constantly changing, it's always adding new things, new skills. So that's really challenging. And at first it was like going back to university. And uh, I was like, oh, I thought I was done with this constant learning process. But I have to admit that uh, I tend to be easily bored and uh in this case uh, that's very unlikely the case so uh that's something that i really like about this job and also i mean the environment is just amazing you work with astronauts it's something i mean in a certain way you are working something is pointing always to the future so it's super interesting and, uh, and stimulating but and of course the pressure is always there I, I can tell you the first time that I had to give my my first lesson to to an astronaut. Pretty, it was pretty interesting. Then at the moment before, it's like, oh god, they really have to teach some rants about something they have to do, and I, I never seen like life on space is very different than life on on Earth. <laughs> so you always had these kind of feelings like, ah, can I really do that? But yes, you can. Yeah, you always can. So it's always. Going on with that pressurized environment of that, uh, the areas, there must be points during the training when the astronauts have some irrational fear or that something stops them from doing something or something. How do you kind of coach and help with that? Uh, the best, the astronauts are also really training uh, backgrounds and styles and uh, they, they wake up so they want to know things. In, uh, in some case, you can answer to whatever question they have in a really straightforward way. You know the answer or you can uh, say something based on your experience, even though your experience is on ground and in most of the case, their experience is already uh, in space. Some of them has been a great space. Some, uh, it's a new, it's, uh, it's a first timer. Uh, but most of the case, if you don't know the answer, you just buy some time and she would say, you just answer really honestly, look, I don't know how to answer to that. And then you go study more, you ask around and then you come back with an answer. So the most important thing in the shop is like, you don't give any wrong answer. If you don't know the answer, just say that, like, I don't know, I will come back to you because it's better than getting something completely out of the board. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's quite common, isn't it? Everybody wants to have, doesn't nobody wants to look bad so they don't have the answer. So, um, answering through from there, but so, yeah, no, this, I think the, the training on these types of things, um, you know, it might not be the same as say exams for children or, or stuff like that, but that sort of 
relax and do something? How do you get sort of the people into that sort of frame of mind of of just conquering over what they're they're trying to do? Uh, it's a bit different. I think what what is missing in the school system is a uh, some kind of motivation that toward the children to say, okay, that's why you need to learn this. That's why you need to study this visiting topic for this subject. It's not because you have to achieve a certain grade at the end of the test, but it's because in the end you're going to use that knowledge to be the something that's after. And I, I can see that, like, I can imagine that uh, when I was a kid, I think I was, I was always doing that and I was pretty much a good student. My, uh, I mean, uh, I was never a nerd, but everything was kind of, kind of naturally most of the time. Uh, but in general, I was doing that for a number, for a mark at the end. I was never doing that for a certain kind of passion on the topic or because it's like, okay, I can see that if I understand this topic, if I understand this method, then I'm going to use that for something bigger, something uh, for, for my future. And I think this is what is actually missing now or in, a, in an old school system. And that's why also key for most of the kids get bored or don't want to uh, study or then you have this kind of problem into motivating, giving the tools to understand something. With my actual job is a bit different, obviously you're teaching something that is needed to do something else. So you're going on a mission, you're already going to do something that is extremely difficult. And you probably, if you're a first flyer, if you're going in space for the first time, you have no clue what it's going to be. You don't know what it's going to be. So you try to store, you try to learn as much as you can before. So your motivation, your, uh, yeah, your target, your goals before that, it's completely different. So that's why when you're teaching in a school or if you're teaching to us, it's completely different. You're, you know that you need to learn also because you want to survive, not also, not just you want to perform, but there is a lot going on. There is about emerging situation. It's about, uh, you know, dominant situation. So you need to learn and you need to know how to deal with that. So it's not just about, yeah, I just need to, to learn this topic. It's more about, yeah, okay, I'm going to use this. Talking about that, then, say, say for example, God forbid you're, you're in space, whatever. How do you deal when something goes wrong? You know, because you're almost, well, I don't know, how, how do you deal with something goes, because you're so far away, aren't you? It's, is that like a second nature then? Is it, you, you've been coached so heavily up to it at that point, or are you just going through emotions? Uh, yes. Uh, so first of all, they know how to react to emergency. They know to react to the, the worst possible case that can happen. They, they are trained and they get procedure in, uh, their procedures for, for everything. Uh, but for the emergency or this kind of really, yeah, life threatening uh, situation, uh, they know by heart how to react. And at the same time, they are constantly connected to the mission control center on ground. So there will always be some kind of support, even in case something's happening, unless something really drastic has happened. But, uh, there's always mission control, uh, mission control centers that are supporting, uh, whatever's going on in the station. So, yeah. So there's a lot of trust there, but I mean, the, the reason I ask is, Obviously, something like that is a very, very specific job, very 
highly trained, at what point can you ignore your gut feeling? Because, you know, sometimes you, you're going to have a gut feeling and that might counteract what actually you've been trained to do. And it's then letting your, obviously, emotion not listen to your brain and vice versa, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there is, uh, there is there, your gut feeling, there is the experience, there is, there is what you learn, there is also some kind of hierarchy they need to respect. So even if you're stationed, you're still uh, under the authority of the Mission Control Center, and then you have a certain management on top of that, so you know also how to act. So even if your gut feeling is telling you something of this, it's like uh, something that you have to do on the fly, and there is no time to uh, listen to anyone else. Uh, I think uh, in all training that you, you learned uh, already, or you know how to react, you know that there are a lot of uh, procedures and processes and there is some kind of authority or hierarchy in place for that. With your job in mind, have you learned any life lessons from your job? Has it taught you anything? Has it made you change stuff? Well, life lesson. Uh, I mean, uh, in a positive way, of course, the, this job is... It's really giving you some kind of uh, push, some kind of motivation to look to the future, to to look even more toward uh, how you can shape your life or someone's life into you know what was what's gonna be next. Um, but uh, yeah, life uh, lesson from uh, from uh, from. Um, Work-wise, I think the very beginning of my career, wages kind of. The depression side is like uh, the manager or the uh, the bosses that I have were no rich people that you can, um, you know, use as a mentor or someone that can relate. Oh, wow, that's something that I'm learning and that I can use in in the, in the future. And said, yeah, I could give you like the, a few examples of what I mean that you are just starting to work. And uh, you're, yeah, a lot of enthusiasm. For example, you want to, uh, I don't want to say overachieve, but you want to do all the things. You're really into what you're doing. You are full of ideas. You are full of enthusiasm. And uh, I mean, again, you're doing the same. Uh, you're doing a lot more of what you're paid for. And uh, um, it depends who you are, but it could be, you could be fine with that. Well, I had a few discussions with my bosses back then that certain was like, look, that's what I'm doing. I'm supposed to do this, but I'm doing so much more. Um, so how do we move from here? How, how can we improve in the, the direction that is uh, productive or, you know, fruitful for, for both of us? And uh, one of the answers I got, for example, was that uh, instead of working as a 10, you can keep working as a 5. No one is uh, is asking you to do more, just the what you ask for, and instead of working as a 10, just work as a 5. So be average or also below average, because in the end, this is how you're going to survive anyway. So, and this is exactly like the school system, this is kind of, this kind of uh, under-motivation or something, it's killing your enthusiasm or your motivations, just like, okay, I just have to sit in front of a computer the whole day and just 
<laughs> do what I'm asked for. And uh, yeah, that was a bit, a bit sad, to be honest. Uh, and uh, yeah, the beginning in particular was kind of uh, uh, interesting how to fight this kind of uh that's what you get on the other side but you want to do something so much different and also if you don't have so many options around i mean there were good lessons and really bad lessons <laughs> okay so the point of a lesson is always you learn from it right so it's yeah exactly you learn you learn yeah yeah i mean i think you've also got uh if something inherently doesn't feel comfortable with yourself it's not the right thing to do and you can only do something that disagrees with yourself for so long before you say enough's enough. Big question for you then. What do you like your legacy to be? Ooh. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, I think now the reality yeah, about the legacy changed. Uh, I've had two. My son is two years and a half. And uh, your perspective, your life, your ideas, everything changed completely. Um, so of course everything that is about the future is about your son uh from that moment on so on the idea i also like thinking about lessons learned and what i wanted or what i liked uh when i was a kid and so on i think the legacy would be to be able to teach uh to my son how to uh understand life and how to give him the right tool to fight or what he wants, what he likes to achieve, and also how to, to deal with the whole the struggle of life. And uh, as I like to say, it's like more uh, learn how to surf the waves. Uh, I used to surf before, and it was poor. So I had also done it on, on one of my tattoos, let's say, surf the wave. I think it's the perfect metaphor with life. Uh, it's not just about you know the waves it's the same idea you you are there in the in the water you're analyzing what's happening you're analyzing the waves uh, and uh, at certain points you feel ready you just go for something or for a wave you just start paddling you go on top and most of the time you just pull really badly you get art uh you get yeah you get sad because you cannot do that as you want and uh, you get tired but then you have to paddle back go back to the lineup and do that again over and over until uh, you master that and probably also after that you want to get to an next level so once you learn how to deal with the whole process i think you you really have the right tools to to face life and of course you cannot teach every single lesson every single aspect of life because you know you know and as i say uh there, there is no person in the world can give you the right advice over everything. But it's more about the right advice on how to deal with the situation, how to put your best effort to understand something and to, you know, in the end, overcome or uh, get the best out of it. I tell you what, I reckon most children are probably dreamt of being an astronaut. And what what would you say? What two two three things would you say if you want to be an astronaut? You do this 
Well, luckily at the moment you can do a lot of things. If you want to be an astronaut and also if you want to work in, in the space environment. So there, there is a lot of going on now in the, in the space environment. It's not just being an astronaut with a private, uh, or you know, with a private, sorry, with a national space agency, but also there are private companies now that are sending people to space. So the, the backgrounds are completely different. The requirements are completely different. So you can really be dreaming now and you, in just the beginning, we are just going again back to the moon and learn a lot how to build an habitat, how to just have this kind of short, long mission from there. And then the next step will be Mars and moon or whatever else in the nose. So whereas like just, uh, at the beginning, uh, a piece of bare life at the moment. <laughs> I don't know, probably could be the next astronaut going to Mars at a certain point. So, uh, what, what you really need is a lot of passion. It's not easy. So if you look at the ground, an astronaut, usually by the time they're already 20, 25 or whatever, they are ready. They have already done so many things that it's sometimes just like, wow, I can understand that you've been selected for, for that. Most of them between like a lot of things. It's not just about studying, but also life experience or a lot of things that can really teach you uh, about life, about works, about a specific job, but also about yourself, how to deal with yourself. Because also to be a it's not just a matter of being uh, smart or physically fit, but also psychologically. That's really really important and at the moment we're just going just going quote unquote uh to the international station just 400 kilometers from here and uh it's quite close in a certain way but if we start targeting a uh, long-term mission where astronauts have to be away for two years or more then your mental skills will be even more important so Try to learn a lot about yourself. Try to learn a lot about life. Do as many experiences you want, and of course, study whatever you want to study. But just be prepared to face or to have this kind of uh, flexibility, because that's the point of us. They need to be flexible. They need they need to be able to absorb like sponges, whatever kind of knowledge they need to perform an experiment, to survive to an emergency, and and everything else. So away from work. What major values and principles do you live by and are like almost like non-negotiable to say, look, this is how I see things or, you know, are there, are there values that are, that you, that are dear to you, which you maintain that you're going to pass on? Well, oh, that's a good one. Uh, I don't know if I have any, uh, specific value. I tried to be in general quite coherent. Uh, with what I am or what I really value, like uh, family, friendship, and this kind of things that you put first, and then you share everything else uh, around that. And also, uh, I think if you manage to have this kind of value, like friends and family around you, you have really good people. You are surrounded by that from your surrounded good people like the people you can really value people can really support you people can really give you this kind of piece of advice uh that can make you think even for a second that something you're about to do something that you did uh i think that's 
probably the best way that you can then check yourself what this kind of values. Because uh, if I have to generalize into a specific value, probably I don't have any. But I, I think the most important thing is to have the right environment around you. Yeah, it's good. I mean, sometimes it's hard for people to, to I think it's a big argument between nature and nurture, but having that environment around you, some people just don't have that environment, do they? And it's hard and it's the opportunities there, but aren't there as well, almost like a glass ceiling, I guess. But it's what you're saying about becoming a dad, obviously I've got two children myself, is you become more selfish, but for the right reasons. Or I personally have, I've become, I've become more selfish for my family and I will do stuff for them that I wouldn't have done previous because it's for the benefit of the family and like the family comes first, you know. I think that's part of growing up. Yeah, that's true. And also, doesn't mean that it's easy. No. Even if when you put your family first or your friends first or just your family first. Well, it's in that case, it's not easy because maybe you need to sacrifice a part of yourself. You need to sacrifice a, a specific moment or a specific situation that was supposed to for you, uh, but of course you do that for something bigger, let's say you do that because you have a bigger motivation and just like, okay, I have just that part of me, that tiny part of me that I would like that, you, you know that probably that, yeah, there is nothing bigger than your family again. Mm -hmm. And also if you have to, uh, since you were talking about sacrificing or as don't sacrifice, I think it's just sometimes quite easy if you really stop saying think about it it's like yeah of course it's a it's a no-brainer uh i will do that over and over again so with that in mind would you do anything different then from where you are now uh, i would say yes uh i do think back to many situations in my life or events or other things I would say probably yes, uh, because I learned also a lot or back then I didn't know how to face them probably, or I dealt with them in the wrong way. At the same time, probably I would say also, no, I wouldn't do anything differently because maybe I wouldn't be where I am now. Uh, also in terms of, uh, life decisions. There are a lot of things that for, for example, I regret or that I like, oh, I should have done different and I should have done that. But if I think about it, for example, just if I think about work and other things, so would I be here now? And, uh, if I wouldn't be here now, would I be with my wife and with my son? Probably not. So would be, would that be worth it? It's like, ah, I don't know. Maybe that situation back then was, would have been better? Uh, but in the end, you don't know. So it's like, yeah, yeah probably if I have to choose again with the uncertainty and that's where I am, that's where I could be, I'll go with what I have. Yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent agree as well. And also you can't change it. <laughs> so it's yeah, through, but I mean, uh, I, I don't know you, but in my case, I'm, uh, sometimes I can be a uh, big overthinking. So I think over and over the same thing, or before taking a decision, or before a big decision or a choice or something, I can really spread myself over, over something, probably because I'm an engineer, or probably because that's my mindset. I need to analyze 
the situation. I need to understand the context. I need to understand all the things before. Okay, that's what I want to do. So in general, I'm not that impulsive in thinking like big decision or like just I'm going to buy that. It's more on the on the on the big side of things. Uh, but yeah, I mean sometimes also uh, overthinking uh, over and over things. It, just like non-useful, just like <laughs> overkilling. I mean, it's quite juxtaposed. I mean, when you were saying about the, the surfing analogy earlier, when you're on top of that wave, you, you sometimes you've got to think bloody quickly, right? Because otherwise you've got, you've got something that you can't control kind of dictating what you can do. Yeah, uh, that's also true. And uh, that's also the problem for you overthink when you are trying to get your way besides i don't know uh right timing and uh, right technique once you go for it just don't stop don't double guess don't think twice so that's the right way or not just do it worst case you follow but if you think twice while you're doing it oh this is not going to run that well that's why sometimes the overthinking okay before but why you doing something or after you took a certain decision go with that see where you're going see how it ends up and then maybe you can again change it or adjust it yeah they say it's uh i i i think too much and sometimes i think about things that aren't even there and then i start worrying about it and it's like why am i worried about something like that? but that i i don't know where that comes from Probably my dad, I think, is because my mum certainly wasn't like that. And it's I'm trying to not have that in my kids. I'm not trying to let them be like that. I want them to be, don't worry about something, something goes wrong because everything will be all right in the end. Yeah, and since you were talking about, uh, it's actually something really interesting. I was going with you with this, uh, I don't know, passing over to your kids what you got from your parents in terms of, uh, I don't know, habits or... Hey, 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 in good and bad way, I, I'm just going, do you see your parents and yourself in the way you're parenting or? Jeez, oh, uh, yes, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, my mum and dad is a very loving home, a very, very caring home, but there's different, the way my dad showed it, my dad very, very rarely told me and my brother, that he loved us. He did. He said it literally once or twice in our life. Uh, but I know that he did, whereas my mum would say, even just walking down to the, the shops, she'd say, right, love you. So, and not that she meant it, one meant it less or more than the other, but it's different ways of showing it. But I know by their actions, but I always tell my, always say to my kids, I love them. And I don't necessarily remember having the better time stories when I was growing up, but I make a point that to my kids, I read a better time story every night. Not so much my son now, because he's a little bit older, but my daughter, I still do. I find myself moaning at things that I should be moaning about, which I think I should let it go. I don't know why I worry about that, but, and I'm doing it. I can hear my dad's voice in my head. So, and I'm, and I've tried desperately to get out of that habit at times, but sometimes it's just, I'm 44. It's been lodged in my brain for 40 odd years. That's how I'm going away. It's, it's, the, it's the phrases, isn't it, that you're, yeah. you say. So, uh, right, don't touch that. Why not? 
because I told you so, and you you know there's no logic to that answer to your to your child that you said it. You know, and I hear my dad saying it as well because I told you so. You're like, oh, I've got to have more imagination. But yeah. I, I I want I want my kids to question stuff and not necessarily to disrespect authority by any stretch, but I want them to be inquisitive. And I, if they're given an answer, question that answer, especially if it doesn't make sense to them, if they're not happy with that answer, don't just accept it because you've been told by someone that's older. You know, it's not not for them to say, not, say not for them to be disrespectful and rude and not respect your elders, but I think kids need to question stuff and that's how we learn and that's how we develop rather than just taking stuff as gospel. What is the point of I agree totally with that. Can I ask one more thing? Uh, obviously, when we were doing a bit of research and stuff on you, there's a fantastic picture of you in doing weightless training. Yeah. Which is, I'm assuming that's the jet that, that's coming down. I don't know. So, um, yeah. I'm just, how cool is that? I mean, it's, it yeah. must be so much fun. I think that's the coolest thing that I've ever done in my life. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, you know, Think about anything cooler than that. Even if you are experiencing microgravity for no more than 15 seconds, because you are going to this parabolic flight uh, with the plane, and you get 15 seconds in this parabola where the plane is going from the, this upper parabola, going just up and down. When it's going down, you are experiencing this free floating uh, feeling. And just like crazy, and they can also do different kind of. Uh, they can, I uh, can say, replicate different kind of uh, gravity. Um, that part body flight we did thirty parabolas, so up and down thirty times, and uh, we try ten times uh, lunar gravity, ten times Mars gravity, and ten times energy. And uh, you can really see the difference because in. Uh, um, you have uh, either one third of gravity or or one sixth, uh, one sixth of uh, gravity or zero g, and I think we went uh, step by step. And at first, I mean, it's just like uh, one third is just like yeah, it's almost the same. Then you get one sixth, like oh, okay, now I can start yeah. to start doing. In zero g, you are completely out of control. It's just like your body starts going up and i mean it's a plane it's not so big that you can do crazy stuff and uh, when i was in there uh, uh we were testing experiments so experiments that are then supposed to be executed on the international space station uh when someone is creating an experiment uh, uh in some case can be tested into these parabolic flights uh so everything was full of experiments around so you cannot just float around you are on fixed or you have some kind of support where you cannot move from and then we have this free floating area which just behind me so i was like enough to jump inside that so i was just like probably one meter no hours let's say two meters per two meters so where you can actually have some space to move or float around but also just to go for a front plate or something it's like it's impossible to control your body and then you don't have so much time so it's kind of uh, kind of weird feeling, but it's super cool. And also at the same time, when you are in this parabolic flight, you experience zero G, but also two G. So two times 
uh, and the crowd in there wouldn't hear because when we're, when the plank is going up or when it starts going down after the zero G or the microgravity uh, phase, you have this double G because there is the acceleration or deceleration. And uh, that's also kind of crazy because you it's like you weigh twice your weight and uh, you're going to move. It's like something is pushing you to the lane or, or any surface you are standing by. That was also quite cool. And uh, I tried to do push up while laying on the floor. 2G, that was an interesting experience. It's like you can move. It's like you want to push. Doesn't matter how strong you are. It's just like, ah. Uh, Brilliant. We've got to book that next on the uh, bucket list, James. Yours. I'm all right, thanks. <laughs> I might <laughs> try and keep my feet on the floor. <laughs> Today I've tried to walk on ice, put me on weightless, it's been dangerous. Uh, I think this, uh, are not funny, you to do that in Europe, but if you find someone or some kind of media to get involved into, uh, with ESA or, uh, this specific company that are doing this, uh, it's still a lot. I think you can also just pay for a ticket and what it's like, I mean, well, not when there are experiments going on, but sometimes they just people getting the experience of replay it's not it's not cheap but it's still mobile it's an experience and that's what life's all about i guess experiences i mean i, I don't know I, I, um how much is a ticket for just doing the hell uh the whole thing the whole trip uh but yeah that's probably quite expensive just thinking i know it's like where you are but if you could pass on one bit of advice, what would it be? I think it sounds a bit stupid or cheesy, but in the end, would be just live your life. We got only one life, just live your life. And I always try to remind that myself, like just enjoy what you have, enjoy what you have, because sometimes it works buried into things to do and duties and uh, work and life and family. So sometimes you really forget that you got to leave, you got to enjoy what you're doing. It's not just a matter of uh, duties or uh, I just have to do it. It's just a matter of doing for a reason. And of course you cannot enjoy everything, but it's a matter of learning how to still live with a different spirit and, uh, uh, as you did, uh, also recently, two years ago, I lost someone who was really close to me, one of the closest person in my life. And uh, I try to use that a lot of times as a reminder. Just you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. You never know what's going to happen in a, in a few hours. Uh, don't take things for granted. And even though I experienced that on my own skin, it's still really hard to live by that advice. It's really hard to really, uh, I don't know, just enjoy a day. You, you get up, say, oh, today I'm going to live today. I'm going to do that. I'm going to enjoy. It's not, of course you can not enjoy every single thing you're going to do, but this kind of, uh, attitude toward your day, your life, your, whatever else you have, I think that's really a life changer. Because otherwise, just like, oh, I have to get up, I have to go to work, I have to do that after work, I have to do that later at night. It's also uh, probably will lead you on some more to do what you really want to do and less involves someone else expects you to do, or this can also change your approach 
toward life. And yeah, it's your life. You need to decide with how you want to spend it. Yeah. Firstly, sorry for your loss. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've been reading something recently. Um, and that's exactly a case in point was all around choices. And it's making the choices that you want to make, not the choices that are kind of been, not necessarily forced upon you, but subconsciously have been guiding you to make those choices. And it's, you do always have a choice. And it's making that choice without repeating the word choice. But do you know what I mean? It's sometimes it's your scenario or you're doing something because maybe your parents, I don't know. Once you go down a certain route, whereas it's like, well, no, you've got to live your own life because it is too short. But I think it sounds like a bit dark, but when you're younger, you don't know that at the time because you think you're going to live forever. And it's like, I can always make that choice another time or I don't need to worry about that now. But it's, yeah, I mean, like, I say to our kids, go, go for it, try it. doesn't matter. doesn't, don't worry about being someone thinks you're an idiot, you're not. Just do it. Just give it a go, you know, because otherwise you're going to have a life of regret and that's the worst thing. Yeah. And there's also something, since, you know, we went back to the kids topic, uh, it's something I, uh, I was asking myself where or how far you can go with that. Because I, I was really like my parents always pushed me or never stop me from trying things or to, you know, experience life in general. And first of all, I like to be the same. And uh, at the same time, sometimes also, if you look around, if you look how the world is going, uh, things are happening. I really question myself, like, how far would I be able to go? So, okay, just do whatever you want. Just try where you set the boundaries to say, okay, that's probably a bit too far. That's probably where you have to jump in as a parent and reconsider. And again, it's probably it's a matter of the way you are saying that is not a matter of saying don't. I mean, probably depends again, but maybe it's more a way to make your kids understand, okay, just think twice or trying to understand what's going to be if you do that, think about consequences. I don't know, but I, I think all about all this kind of, uh, I was going to be the teacher me when I would have to deal with something more that I cannot sleep at night because it's working out, but because like I cannot sleep because it's going to do something crazy or completely out of his mind. I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, like, it's, I don't know. I'm, I, yeah, you said it earlier as well. And it's sometimes, you know, the advice is there, but you don't always listen to your own advice <laughs> it's like and it's you, you're trying to get your kids to listen to it and you think actually would i do that myself and it's like then i'm holding myself back as well you know so it's like and the kids will pick up on that so you've got to let them i don't know <laughs> make mistakes as well because you learn from your mistakes and i keep saying that to ours as well it doesn't matter it, you know it's ultimately everything will be all right as long as no one gets hurt it's just and you're exactly <laughs> But yeah, it's easier said than done at times, though, isn't it? Very much so. But now, listen, I'm very conscious of your time. It's it's late where you are. Um, you've got a very pressurised job. You need to get your sleep. So, <laughs> um, thank you very much for your time. I've loved every single minute of it since uh, yeah. 
there are so many questions I wanted to ask you, but that's, that's probably not for now. But I mean, I, I was listening to something fairly recently. It's, it's pretty deep. And it's like, they're talking about your CV or your eulogy. What do you like to be remembered for? <laughs> and it's like, it's like, well, fuck me. That's a really big question, you know? I don't ask Mike what he said of my eulogy, Mike. <laughs> uh, it changes many things to many people. Uh, <laughs> We're taking that as a positive. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's some, you said earlier as well, nice to be short, right? Better enjoy it. Yeah. Do a smile on your face. Awesome stuff. Cheers, Carla. Thank you very, very much for that. Really enjoyed that. We hope you enjoyed that episode of Previously Learned. For me, the key takeaways were the importance of life experiences, dreaming big, and having passion. Also, living and enjoying your life and learning how to surf the wave. Remember to follow, subscribe, review. It really does make a big difference to us on the podcast. So please, if you could take some time to do that, it would be much appreciated. Until next time, see you later.